0: Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Health Investment Podcast. I can't believe I just said that. It's been quite a wild, sometimes rocky ride, but so enriching at the same time. And I know people always say this, but it honestly feels like it was just yesterday that I decided to start this podcast Actually, with no idea what I was doing or what it would entail, and as with most things in life, I think if I knew then what I know now about how much work it takes behind the scenes, I may not have started it. So I guess I'm glad that I was ignorant. Ignorance is bliss, right? At least that's what they say. But in all seriousness, I am so, so grateful to have started the Health Investment Podcast because it's allowed me to connect with truly amazing, informative guests and also to create a deeper relationship with you, my listener. So speaking of you, this podcast wouldn't be able to exist or thrive without you, So I really just want you to know how truly grateful I am that you've subscribed and joined me for this exciting journey. The Health Investment Podcast community is the best of the best, if I may say so, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. For this 100th episode, I wanted to do something special and a little different. So I decided it'd be fun to share some of the most mind-blowing information I've learned about nutrition, weight loss, fitness, sleep, stress, all of the things from expert guests that I've had the honor of speaking with. Before starting this podcast, I believed some things to be true that I've now changed my mind about and reconsidered, so I want to highlight some of those brilliant people who have changed my mind and made me see different health topics in a new light. Sound good? Awesome. Before we get to the episode, I want to take a minute to share one of my favorite resources with you, which you may have heard me speak about before, but I cannot say enough amazing things about ThriveMarket.com. I used to think that eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store. Maybe you think that same way, but I promise you Thrive Market would completely revolutionize your life. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that I describe as a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive doesn't have any brick and mortar stores, I conveniently order fridge, freezer, and pantry staples from the comfort of my couch in just a few quick clicks on their website or app. And... Since they don't have any brick and mortar locations, they cut out all the middle people and are able to heavily discount all of their inventory. When I order on Thrive versus going to a local supermarket, I save at least $20 per grocery order, sometimes more. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order... Visit thehealthinvestment.com/slash thrive market or just click through the link in the show notes. And one final thing: if you've been on a weight loss roller coaster for years, trying everything from shakes to teas to green powders to exercising a ton, but nothing has worked. I'm so happy you're hearing this because outside of hosting this podcast, I help people lose weight for the last time through sustainable habit changes and mindset shifts. Unlike all of the diets, apps, and programs out there that can really suck the joy out of life, I help you make simple, evidence-based tweaks to your nutrition, lifestyle, and outlook so you can drop those pesky pounds for good without giving up carbs, counting every calorie, eating clean, or other unfun extremes. If you're ready to feel completely in control around food and start showing up as the trimmest, healthiest, most confident, most energized version of yourself, you can learn more about my programs at thehealthinvestment.com. And please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. I always love hearing from you. All right. Are you ready to learn the most game-changing lessons I've learned after recording 100 episodes? Let's get right to it. I'm Brooke Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best... Without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. All right, let's get right into this. I'm excited to highlight a lot of the mind-blowing info I've learned about nutrition, weight loss, health, all of the things in conversations with experts in my first 100 episodes. So the first guest who really knocked my socks off was Sean Vance in episode 14. Little backstory about Sean He was my neighbor growing up, and I'm an only child, so he was really kind of more like a sibling figure. He and his siblings were kind of like my surrogate siblings, if you will, and my memories of him are really just of jumping off things. He was always a daredevil ripping the heads off of my Barbies. I mean, he did all the younger brother stuff that I didn't experience from a younger brother of my own, but he really took the place of that person. Back then, he was much shorter and scrawnier, no offense, Sean, but he grew up to do really big, incredible things like become a Green Beret and eventually train A-listers in Hollywood. I'm talking the top, top celebs in Hollywood. When I interviewed him about his fitness training and just his recommendations for all of us, he said two things that really got me thinking. The first was that for himself and his celebrity clients, the focus is always on strength training, not cardio. And at the time of the interview, I was really kind of married to my cardio bunny status, if you will, favoring cycling classes over strength training or walks, elliptical treadmill, you name it. I did all the things except for consistently lifting weights. In fact, if you re listen to my episode with Sean, I think you can sense my dismay and genuine skepticism as he goes on and on about the benefits of strength training. I wish I could say that right after the episode, I dove into a consistent weightlifting routine of my own, but I didn't because like I mentioned, Sean was always the younger, often annoying little neighbor kid. So really, what could he possibly know, right? But he mentioned some great accounts to follow on Instagram, like one I would recommend to you. It's at Squat University is their handle. So I did take his advice and follow some of the accounts he mentioned. And slowly but surely, I became more and more convinced that strength training was the most bang for your buck workout when it comes to weight loss, but especially weight maintenance. And future experts like Jen Hosler in episode 71 and Herman Ponser in episode 96 really solidified the fact that building muscle should be our priority with walks and cardio sprinkled in between. So, even though it took me months and months of convincing after Sean's episode, I'm now 100% on board. I believe him. And I can say for myself that consistent strength training is the most impactful thing I've done for my body, aside from eating well and you know focusing on nutrients and prioritizing protein and produce and all of the good stuff most of the time. Aside from nutrition, strength training has really, really made me look and feel my best. Another thing that really stuck out to me in my conversation with Sean is that he doesn't feel like working out the majority of the time. You'd expect someone who's a Green Beret and a bigwig personal trainer to enjoy spending hours and hours at the gym, right? Well, Sean honestly said that he often feels otherwise. This was super important for me to hear because the majority of the time, I don't feel like working out either. Prior to speaking with Sean, I relied more on motivation and willpower and desire to drive me to exercise. But after this interview, I had the aha moment that if I continually wait to feel motivated, I will probably never work out or I will work out way less often. So after speaking with Sean, I started scheduling specific workouts into my Google calendar at specific times on specific days. Let me tell you, that's been the only thing that has kept me truly consistent when it comes to strength training or even daily walks or the cardio that I kind of sprinkle in between. If walking or lifting weights or doing some type of cardio isn't in my calendar on a specific day at a specific time, I probably am not going to do it, but I no longer feel like I'm weird or wrong for that. I know it's just human. And again, this Green Beret A-lister personal trainer feels the same way. He's human as well. A lot of times I think we see these fitspo influencers on social media who are making it seem like they live in the gym and enjoy every second of it. But I think his raw honesty about this was really illuminating and it helped me realize, again, that I can't rely on just motivation and willpower all the time. Scheduling workouts is very, very important. So I'm very grateful for my little old neighbor from Mesa, Arizona, Sean Vance, sharing his wisdom with us, even if it took me a while to get on board with every piece of advice he had to share. If you want to listen to his interview, it's great. He's super funny and awesome. And you can listen in episode 14. The second guest who gave me a crazy aha moment was board certified psychiatrist, acupuncturist and yoga teacher, Ellen Vora in episode 43. When chatting with Dr. Vora about the things we can do to quote unquote manage our stress, she said something that seems so simple, but that I often forget and maybe you do too. Instead of doing more to manage stress, as society tells us to do, like getting massages, taking bubble baths, journaling, meditating, yada, yada, a more effective approach can be doing less. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with massages, bubble baths, and meditation. I love all those things as well. But when we add a bunch of stress management tools on top of all of the things we're already doing every day, we may end up feeling more stressed out. By managing our stress with all these things, we're actually just adding more to our plate and stressing ourselves out more, if that makes sense. So a little mantra I've said to myself after my chat with Dr. Vora is, to manage stress, do less. Again, I tell myself, to manage stress, do less. Now, whenever I'm feeling extra anxious or even on the brink of burnout, I take a look at my calendar and I ask myself, what's essential right now and what's not? This goes along with the idea that Greg McCowan shares in his book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. He has the same opinion of Ellen Vora, and he says that the disciplined pursuit of less empowers us to reclaim control of our own choices about where to spend our precious time and energy instead of giving others the implicit permission to choose for us. Really powerful stuff, right? It's against popular belief, I think, that we should always be doing more, 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 even when it comes to something like stress management. But I love how he says this disciplined pursuit of less is can be really empowering. In her episode, Dr. Vora also dropped a ton of other wise nuggets of information. So I'd highly recommend you go back and listen to the entire thing. A bonus is that her voice is super soothing. So the simple act of listening to her speak could be a stress reliever for you. And again, you can listen to her in episode 43. Another guest I want to highlight is Marion Nessel, who spoke with me in episode 50. Marion runs a website called foodpolitics.com, and she also does a million other things. But her website is very cool because on it, she breaks down the research behind a lot of the clickbait headlines out there. For example, if you see a headline that says a handful of blueberries each day will prevent dementia, Marion breaks this down and dives deeper into the research and explains what the research really says in the fine print. She also gets into the idea that researchers are funded by conflicting interests a lot of the time. Like maybe even the researchers who found that blueberries could prevent dementia could be funded by blueberry farmers. Even when researchers think they're presenting unbiased results, their findings may be skewed by conflicts of interest, which is just really good to know because Marion's goal is ultimately to spread the message that we shouldn't be swayed by fads just because they're trending. And we can't simply trust nutrition research at face value. Usually, there's a bigger story to tell below the surface. I guess the ultimate takeaway is that nutrition headlines should be taken with a grain of salt. When it comes down to it, if you're eating real whole foods, like lean animal protein, eggs, vegetables, fruit, whole grains, nuts, and seeds, Most of the time, you're on the right track. You shouldn't feel like you constantly need to overhaul your entire diet based on one headline that's probably not giving you the full story behind the actual research. Again, to learn more about Marion's take on all of this, definitely listen to her episode, which was number 50, and go check out her website, foodpolitics.com. Often, if there's a headline, I'll go back to the blueberry example that you're seeing maybe on the New York Times and the Washington Post and people are putting it on social media, that will be one of the headlines Marianne dives deeper into on her website. So I really like going there at this point to kind of double check the things I'm reading in the news and then to read her take on the deeper levels below the surface. In episode 53, I chatted with Jessie Inchospay, a.k.a. the glucose goddess. Jessie wears a continuous glucose monitor to gather data about her body and her own personal reactions to different things she eats, and she tracks her blood sugar after different meals, different food combinations. After nights, she gets more or less sleep. After days, she exercises or she doesn't and really just tries to get to the bottom of how different foods and food combinations and exercise and sleep affect her glucose spikes, crashes, and curves. She explains that steady glucose can lead to an improved mood, reduced fatigue, increased energy levels, weight loss, and even improved brain, heart, and overall health. On her Instagram feed and in her episode with me, Jessie shares some tricks for mitigating glucose spikes, like eating non-starchy vegetables before the carbs on your plate, or doing some type of quick exercise, even a 10-minute walk or 15 push-ups would count, after eating any meal. Prior to speaking with Jessie, I hadn't really considered that a small choice, like eating my vegetables first, could affect my blood glucose, so I've been much more mindful of those little tricks since our conversation, and I've definitely seen a difference. Again, if you want to listen to Jessie, check her out in episode 53, and I would highly recommend following her Instagram account, Glucose Goddess, because she'll show you different graphs and charts and give a ton of tips there on how to manage your blood glucose so you're not having these intense spikes and crashes and really maintaining these rolling hills, which is the ultimate goal. Again, if you want to have an improved mood, reduced fatigue, more energy, and even weight loss. The next guest I want to mention is a big wig in the field of nutrition, and that is Dr. Barry Popkin. I spoke with Dr. Popkin in episode 79, and I'm still honestly a little shocked that I had the chance to do so because he's one of the guests I reach out to that I thought may say no, but he was so generous and excited to be on the show, and he shared so much wisdom. Dr. Popkin has devoted his life to researching the dynamic shifts in dietary intake, physical activity patterns, and trends around obesity and other nutrition-related non-communicable diseases. One area he's especially interested in is the effect that sugar-sweetened beverages and low-caloric sweeteners can have on weight loss and weight maintenance. Dr. Popkin's findings suggest that low caloric sweeteners can be beneficial when it comes to weight loss. So drinking diet soda would be better than regular soda, or using an artificial sweetener in coffee would be better than plain table sugar, for example. When I asked him if low caloric sweeteners can negatively impact gut health, as many people Claim all around news headlines again and social media. I see this all the time. He said the research is currently inconclusive and it's not something he's concerned about, which I was surprised to hear. Because again, lots of experts and researchers out there suggest that artificial sweeteners can negatively impact gut health, but it seems as if that isn't a super well founded claim at this time. Other experts claim that any soda, even diet soda, can be problematic when you're trying to lose weight, but Dr. Popkin debunks this. In reality, if you're a soda drinker and you're currently in the habit of drinking several regular sodas each week, but you have a goal of weight loss, making the switch to diet soda could really be helpful. Am I saying diet soda is the healthiest beverage of choice? No. But that's where a lot of nutritional recommendations get really conflated. If someone like Dr. Popkins says diet soda is better than regular soda for weight loss, somebody may interpret that as diet soda is healthy. Obviously, in an ideal world, we'd all stick to tried and true basic beverages like water, seltzer, unsweetened tea, and unsweetened coffee. But drinking only those things just isn't realistic for a lot of us. My realizations from this episode with Dr. Popkin kind of tie back to my realizations from my conversation with Marian Nessel, which is if a headline says something like diet soda negatively alters your gut microbiome, that doesn't necessarily mean you should stop drinking diet soda and instead drink regular soda. The choices you make for your life will depend on your goals. If your goal is to have the absolute best gut and overall health, then you may choose to steer clear of all soda, even diet varieties, and instead stick to those tried and true beverages I mentioned, water, seltzer, unsweetened tea, and unsweetened coffee. But if your goal is to lose weight and you're currently a big soda drinker, you may choose to swap the regular for the diet version and eventually to cut back on soda altogether. Baby steps are important when it comes to achieving our goals and maintaining success, which is again why nutrition buzzwords, fads, and headlines can get in the way. Just be cautious not to trust everything a quote unquote expert says. And consider learning from other reputable sources, like Marian Nessel's foodpolitics.com website. Often, sound research findings are complicated and unsexy, so they don't sell newspapers. And it can be tough to decipher a really dense research article yourself, which is why it's super helpful to listen to experts like Marian and Dr. Popkin on this podcast, If you want to hear everything Dr. Popkin has to say, again, you can check him out in episode 79. In episode 84, I got to speak with another biggie, Dr. Judd Brewer. Dr. Judd is a habit change expert, and my mind was completely blown by our entire conversation But one piece in particular has really been one that I've been implementing on my own and also encouraging my clients to do themselves. Dr. Judd says that one tactic to break a bad habit or start a good habit is to get crystal clear on how you feel in the moments after you do the habit. So let's say you have a bad habit of staying up till 1 a.m. binging Netflix And your late nights cause you to wake up each morning feeling tired and groggy. To break that late night Netflix habit, it's important to name all of the negative feelings you have in the morning and to explicitly connect them to your bad habit of binging TV into the wee hours of the morning. So it could sound something like this. I feel exhausted, blurry, and unmotivated this morning because I stayed up so late watching Netflix. Then that upcoming night, when you're tempted to stay up late watching TV again, it'll be easier to connect with those negative feelings from the morning and thus easier to stop that bad habit. That's not to say you'll stop the habit immediately, but over time... This act of naming specific feelings and explicitly connecting them to the bad habit will help you to break out of that habit loop. This same mental exercise also works for implementing good habits, for example, exercising. Like I mentioned already, I don't feel like exercising most days, so this has been especially helpful for me, and it's worked with clients of mine as well. After speaking with Dr. Judd, I started to do this immediately after I exercise, every single time. In my mind, I create a little mental list of all of the great things I feel. So after a strength training workout, I may think to myself, I feel stronger, more energized, more confident, less bloated, and ready to take on the day as the Best version of myself because of that strength training workout. I also know I'll sleep better tonight and feel great tomorrow morning because of that workout I just did. Again, I'm naming the very specific things I feel and I'm explicitly connecting them to the good habit of exercise. Then, two days from now, when I don't feel like lifting weights again, I connect back to all of those specific positive feelings I had, and I'm more likely to work out because I want to feel those things again. Once you do this little mental exercise over and over and over again, the bad habits become so much easier to break, and the good habits are so much easier to do consistently. Really, it's a game changer. I recommend trying it out yourself, and then let me know how it goes. You can listen to everything Dr. Judd said in episode 84. Another inspiring guest was Dr. Anthony Pearson in episode 90. Dr. Pearson has a blog called The Skeptical Cardiologist, where his goal is to debunk a lot of nutrition myths out there. One of the myths he debunked on the Health Investment Podcast was our need for lots of supplements, especially fish oil. Like I've mentioned a couple of times already, news outlets cherry-pick various research findings and often don't present the whole picture. One common headline I see is that we should be supplementing with fish oil for better heart health, and some headlines even suggest supplementing with fish oil for better mental or overall health. As Dr. Pearson explains, His comprehensive review of the research, so his review of dozens of articles, not just one or two, suggests that fish oil supplementation isn't the panacea many claim it to be. Instead of buying supplements, our money could be better spent on high-quality wild-caught fish. Getting nutrients from whole foods is always best, and it seems that fish oil is no exception. Dr. Pearson is actually not a fan of any form of supplementation because getting nutrients through a balanced diet of whole foods is the best option. Now, I just want to pause for a minute and share I'm not a doctor and Dr. Pearson wasn't giving explicit medical advice on the podcast. In the episode, he simply shares findings after diving down lots of research rabbit holes, but that doesn't mean you should stop taking supplements if your doctor has recommended them. But if you're taking a lot of self-prescribed supplements based on things you've read in articles or seen on social media, maybe it's time to consider the money you're spending or wasting on supplements and instead put that money towards high-quality whole foods. To hear Dr. Pearson bust even more myths, be sure to check him out in episode 90. All right, I could go on and on. Seriously, for hours, this was hard to come up with the outline for this episode because I truly learned so much in these past couple of years. But the final aha moments I want to share with you come from a trifecta of guests. Dr. Ted Naiman in episode 55, Herman Ponser in number 96, and Stephen Simpson in episode 98. These are also the three episodes that you loved most because I've heard such overwhelming praise for these three guests. To break down what these guys say in one sentence, it would be... Prioritize protein so that you're able to feel full by consuming fewer calories and focus on nutrition first and foremost, if your goal is to lose weight, period. (laughs) That's what these guys say in a nutshell. Dr. Ted Naiman and Steven Simpson break down the importance of protein, how much we should be eating every day, why humans thrive when they have enough, how our protein needs relate to other animals in nature, and more. If you have a hunch that you may not be eating enough protein yourself, or if you're wondering how much is enough, definitely check out episodes 55 and 98 for the full explanation. Herman Ponser shares his research findings on metabolism, which he was actually surprised to learn himself. He didn't set out to show that nutrition matters more than exercise when it comes to weight loss, but that's exactly what he found. Now, this doesn't mean that exercise is bad. Quite the contrary. Exercise is absolutely fantastic for things like your mental health, heart health, and overall health. But when it comes to weight loss, fine-tuning your nutrition is where you'll get the most bang for your buck. Again, you can listen to everything Herman Ponser has to share about metabolism in episode 96. Okay. That was a lot. And again, I could go on and on and on, but I'm going to stop there. I obviously had so many other enriching conversations in the first 100 episodes, but I don't want this episode to be five hours long. Truly appreciate you listening, not just to this one, but to the first 100. And I'd love if you would reach out to me on Instagram either at the health investment podcast or at the health investment and let me know what your biggest takeaways were in these first hundred episodes can't wait to see what we all learn in the next hundred and again thank you so so much for joining me on this awesome ride to incredible health well that's all for today thanks again for joining me here on the health investment podcast I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis.